In the early days of my walk with Jesus, I didn't believe in hell, or at least I didn't want to acknowledge the reality of hell. I'd heard about hell and even prayed a prayer to Jesus to be saved from hell as a child, but by the time I began to live seriously for Christ in my early 20s, I'd pushed that aspect of the gospel to the margins of my thinking. I was more interested in knowing whether God existed. I was attracted to Jesus because of the message of God's love. I came to him for the relationship. I knew about the cross, of course. I understood that it was the preeminent proof of Christ's love. I knew that it was the remedy for my sin, and I did believe in sin. How could I not? The evidence was right in front of me. Indeed, it was in me. Like the Apostle Paul, I was unable to do the good that I wanted to do. I suppose the experience of my own sinfulness, combined with the stark reality of Christ's death, should have made me ask whether the cross even made sense if the threat of hell didn't exist. But somehow, I was able to ignore the question. Except I kept coming across hell in the Bible. Even more disturbing to me was the fact that Jesus spoke about hell in the scriptures in a way that suggested that it was more than a metaphor. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more, Jesus says in Luke 12, 4 and 5. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after killing the body, has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Jesus, it turned out, had more to say about hell than anyone else. If I was serious about following Jesus, I couldn't affirm those aspects of his teaching that I liked and ignore those that made me uncomfortable. I realized that the same was true of the rest of the Bible. If I was going to accept it as God's truth, I had to accept it all. There was no room to cherry-pick, holding on to the truths I liked and setting aside those I didn't. In his book, The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis suggested that those who find themselves in hell choose to be there. There are only two kinds of people in the end, those who say to God, Thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, Thy will be done. All that are in hell choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. One of the most insidious effects of sin is that it compels us to flee from the lover of our souls. Without the grace of God bestowed upon us in Christ, we would do so forever. The cross is a symbol, but it is more than a symbol. I was right to see it as evidence of God's love, but it is also a blunt reminder of the penalty that sin requires. The cross is proof of our need to take sin more seriously than we do. Only a grave condition could warrant such an extreme remedy. The cross is a warning. Jesus' cry from the cross foreshadows the agony of all who will experience separation from God for eternity because of their sin. It's almost impossible to speak about the reality of hell without seeming glib. I think this reflects a kind of denial. If it's hard for us to fathom heavenly things, it's even more difficult for us to grasp the danger of hell. For one thing, we don't want to think about it. It's all too easy to put any thought of it out of our mind. We don't really believe that we deserve it. Most of us harbor a secret hope that, in the end, God will change the standard the way our teachers sometimes did when everyone flunked the exam in school. The reason so many of us don't believe in hell is that we don't believe in righteousness. Despite all our contemporary blather about justice, we have no real conception of justice, at least where God is concerned. 
We still believe in evil, but only as a hyperbole. Evil is an unrealistic extreme that we see in a handful of others. We don't think that evil has anything to do with ourselves. We're happy to claim the benefit of the cross, but deep inside we can't help wondering if all that blood and brutality were really necessary. We chalk it up to the meanness of human beings. Such thinking sentimentalizes the cross, reducing it to a mere symbol. The cross has become a meme for us. We certainly don't see what it has to do with hell, or with justice for that matter. In the end, the cross and hell are inevitably related to one another. Hell is the ultimate exercise of divine judgment. Hell is the proof that our sin ultimately has reference to God. It is to him that we must answer. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge, David declared after his sin with Bathsheba in Psalm 51.4. Sin is more than selfish petulance. It's more than a moral offense against our neighbor. Whether we're willing to recognize it or not, sin is an offense against God, and he will call everyone to account. This may be the most disturbing aspect of the cross for those who reject its message. It is a picture of what is owed. The cross is an emblem of God's love, but it is also the ultimate reminder to any who refuse to accept Christ's payment that their debt will one day be called in.